At Woodside Bible Church, we gather each week to pursue God by studying his word together. Today, we invite you to tune in for our current series, Reveal, stories with purpose as we study the parables of Jesus, reading stories with the power to reveal God's truth in our lives. It's great to have you with us. Hopefully, uh, you enjoy having some fun in church as well. Uh, one thing I always told myself is if I'm going to if I'm going to be a pastor, God, if I'm if I'm going to do this thing that you've called me to, I want to make sure that whatever we do on Sundays is not boring, and uh, it's fun. That it's okay to have fun. You believe that? Yeah. Absolutely, it's okay to have fun in church. It's always okay to be a little bit lighthearted as well. And uh, I love that our our kids ministry, our student ministry aims to bring people into relationship with Jesus while experiencing the joy of that. Uh, and sometimes maybe that should like just push over on us a little bit as well, because oftentimes it looks like we were made to come here, not that we're excited to be here, me included. So uh, it's great to be able to uh, see the joy of kids and them worshiping God uh, together. If you want to turn to Luke chapter 14, that's where we're going to be uh, this morning and um, we're going to be continuing in our series on the parables called Revealed Stories with Purpose. And uh, that's what a parable is. As we aim to dive into the Gospel of Luke between chapters 9 and 19, uh, excuse me, 8 and 19, and just look at the different parables. Uh, the parables are amazing and unique. They're not just some random story that Jesus uses. They're actually a story craft, the way in which people have taught or prophets of the Old Testament have taught for a long time. Um, you remember the way that Nathan the prophet uh, approached David after David had stolen Bathsheba. What did he do? He confronted him by sharing a parable because a parable is something amazing and unique. It's a, a form of indirect communication. Oftentimes you may be here on Sunday mornings and you will listen to one of my messages and you or someone else's message, doesn't matter who it is, and in direct communication and direct teaching, sometimes stuff gets lost, but oftentimes... What you'll remember is a story that I told because the way that Jesus taught and the way that story works and parabolic teaching is that it's a form of indirect communication. It convinces you of something that you wouldn't otherwise hear because you're not hearing it through the front door of your heart. It's something that comes around and there's a nimshaw in a parable. It's really the reveal at the end where at the end they figure out the good guy's the bad guy, the bad guy's the good guy, and somehow you find yourself in one of those stories and it's revealed the purpose of it. That's what's called the nimshaw in the parable. And it's revealed and you're like, wow, I would have never seen that any other way. Imagine Nathan the prophet coming to David and saying, David, you took Bathsheba and you killed her husband. And you did all of this stuff. He would have been like, maybe got a little defensive. But he told him a story and the story spoke to his heart. And out of that, he's like, hey, that guy should be punished immediately. And he's like, you're that guy. That's the nimshaw. Revealed. A revealed story, a story with a purpose. And today is no different as we look at the story in Luke chapter 14. And it took me back to high school. Man, today, kids, if you're here, hopefully you have 
uh, one of the things that is out there, the papers. I'm going to be drawing your attention to that throughout our time. Students as well, but maybe students, you could identify with this a little bit more. But as I was reading this, I remember back in the day when I was in high school and middle school, particularly, it still happens to us as adults, but I remember those times when my friends or people I thought were my friends had a party, a sleepover, or something like that, and I was not invited you ever felt that way? Like this, this kind of like, man, put whatever name, uh, insert the, the popular person's name here, and you weren't invited to their party. And we still wrestle with this as even adults as we're excluded maybe from a wedding or a family wedding that we thought we should be at, and we get a little bit upset about that, or a party, or a friend's invitation, or family, or friends going out to dinner, and you're excluded from the invitation, and sometimes it hurts. It's, it's like, man, I, I thought we were better friends than that, because being excluded from something that you should have been invited to is something that cuts us to our own hearts. And what I want to I look at today is I wonder how many of us act the same way or do the same thing, maybe even subconsciously in the way we invite people to the kingdom of God. The way we invite people into the spiritual family and the great banquet that we're going to experience, do we treat the gospel the same way? That really, we only invite those people that we really want to spend eternity with. <laughs> Let's just be honest. Uh, there's probably some people in your life that you're like, if I have to spend eternity with that, that is not heaven, Okay. That will not be heaven if I have to spend eternity with them. And today we're going to look at the parable of the open invite banquet, maybe known in your text as you read it as the great banquet. And when we're looking at this, uh, we're going to see a couple of things as we walk through it and just see it as a story. If you haven't been around the last couple of weeks, we looked at a couple different parables. We've looked at the parable of the sower, as it's known, but I would say the parable of the soils. And as uh, Jesus was scattering seed, depending on what kind of heart it landed on, last week we looked at the beautiful story of the parable of the prodigal, what is known as the prodigal son. And I said maybe a better term would be the prodigal father, that the word prodigal literally means lavish spending, lavish generosity, even reckless generosity to others. And so really in the story, the pair of prodigal doesn't mean wayward as we've come to think of it. It actually means lavish spending or lavish graciousness. And so we said even in the story, maybe the father is the real prodigal because when we come to him, whether the son who is wrapped up in religion or the son that is wrapped up in rebellion, Jesus lavishly spends his grace on us as our prodigal father. And today we're going to be looking in Luke chapter 14. If you want to look there, we're going to read the passage in a moment. But generally the, the conversation opens up in 14 chapter 1 or chapter 14 verse 1. It says, on Sabbath, or excuse me, one Sabbath, when he went to dine in the house of a ruler of the Pharisees, they were watching him carefully. And so this kind of puts the setting of our parable that Jesus got invited to a dinner party and there He's to celebrate the Sabbath. Now, the Sabbath meal would have been kind of like our after-church meals that we go to. Maybe after this, you go to your favorite Mexican restaurant or, or whatever it is, and you go there, and it's the after-church meal. And so Jesus was invited to that after they go to the synagogue, they hear the reading and the teaching of the Word of God. On the Sabbath, they would have gone home and celebrated Sabbath together with 
who was invited into their home. And so Jesus was invited to a very prominent Pharisee, even called the ruler of the Pharisees, there to his home. And I don't think his invitation is really like genuine, like had love. I hear you're this amazing teacher and potentially prophet and amazing dude. Now, back then they didn't say dude, but modern translation, like, invited them over to the house. I don't think it's genuine. Like, he just wants to show Jesus hospitality, and he's so glad that he's coming over. As you see in the first verse, it's they were watching him carefully, and they wanted to interact with him, maybe catch him up a little bit. And when you read the parables, it's really important to read all of the text that comes before it. So there's, there's this preparation for the parable that Jesus te- teaches them. and has already confronted them as they're sitting at this banquet about when you go to a banquet, don't sit at the most prominent seat. Maybe sit at the worst seat so that the master of the banquet could come and elevate you and put you in a better seat. Show humility when you come to the banquet. And then we're going to pick up in verse 12, where there's this little teaching before the parable, and then continue on. Now, kids, if you have your pieces of paper, you'll see on there where there's a section, as I read, that you can write down some things that stick out to you. Write down some things that, like, jump out to you as you're reading, and then go home later. Maybe have a conversation with mom and dad as you're you're hearing me teach on it, and you're listening to the Bible being read. So we're just going to see a couple of things today. And the first one, the first couple of verses, is just to check the current invite list. And this is what Jesus is challenging them with. Look in verse 12. He said also to the man who had invited him. So he's addressing now this Pharisee. When you give a dinner or a banquet, do not invite your friends or your brothers or your relatives or your rich neighbors, lest they also invite you in return and you be repaid. But when you give a feast, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, and the blind. I will say, think about those terms because they will come up again. Jesus is a master teacher. They'll come up again, and he's sharing them on purpose. So in verse 13, but when you give a feast, invite the poor and the crippled and the lame and the blind. These are all people that would have been outcasts in their society, and you will be blessed because they cannot repay you for you will be repaid at the resurrection of the just. And so Jesus sharing this in this banquet, addressing the guy who just invited him, says, check your current invite list of who you invite to these things. So as it begins, Jesus utters this comment to the Pharisees, and now he's at this banquet, which would have been a weekly practice for them as they came together and dined together. Jesus tells them to rethink, rethink who you invite to these things, because much of who you invite can benefit you, because these dinner parties were really exclusive, and there were exchanges of power and prestige and position as they gathered together, and they would elevate the rich and the powerful and actually exclude the needy and the weak. And what Jesus is pointing at, and I think that maybe all of us could think about, is he's portraying them as persons who exploit hospitality for their own self-serving self, uh, agendas, that they invite those over who can benefit them, invite those over who they like, who think like them, who enjoy, who they enjoy their company while excluding those who maybe really need to be invited. So instead, Jesus says, the invitation list should be to those who cannot pay you, who cannot pay you back. So someone who's poor and crippled and lame and blind who didn't have anything in this world and maybe could never pay you back ever. These are the people that Jesus says we should or they should in their society and what they're doing invite over. So what he's saying is those that are less fortunate than you, uh, 
Invite those people, serve those people, rather than always thinking, as the Pharisees did, about those who could repay them. And it could be beneficial to them. Man, I mean, students and kids, I'm, I'm always telling my kids that, man, when you go to school, who do you sit with at lunch? Who do you play with on the playground? Who do you have over to your home? Is there somebody that doesn't have a lot of friends, that sits off by themselves, that doesn't have anybody to hang out with? You should be going to those people and being their friends and loving those people and sitting with those kids, even if your friends mock you and make fun of you, because that's what Jesus calls us to. Can you imagine, as they're sitting, this is, the, this is the tension that sometimes we read over, Jesus got invited to this banquet, he's sitting with them, and then he calls out the guy who invited him over for the banquet with all of these prestigious other religious elite people over, he says, hey, don't invite all these people again. Instead, the people that you don't like that I hang out with, Invite those people. Invite those people over to your great banquet. And Jesus is teaching them about the way of the kingdom, that the the way of the kingdom is for those who are humble, not those who are the religious elite who think they have it all together and depending on their religion to save themselves. There's this great reversal here. And Jesus isn't overthrowing the, uh, the conventional practice of the way they did stuff. It was more, he was teaching them about types of generosity and hospitality and the way of the kingdom, benefiting rather than serving. I I I love hearing about people. I don't know if you know people like this, but I love hearing about others. I'm not the greatest at it. That's why this is so pertinent for me as well. Hearing about other people who literally invite over uh, people from local colleges like Oakland University and others that are um, exchange students, international students that don't have anywhere for Thanksgiving and Christmas and oftentimes having people over because those people don't have any place to go around holidays. Can you imagine being in a foreign country and not having anywhere to go for Christmas and Thanksgiving and they're just probably sitting in their dorm room by themselves. And I hear about these other people that do this and they invite them into their home for these moments rather than just their friends and their family and those people that it's easy for them. This is the kind of stuff that Jesus is saying here. Now, this isn't necessarily even part of the parable. Remember what I said a few moments ago, that there's often a nimshaw, there's a reveal in the parable. Well, this is like a front-loaded nimshaw, where Jesus kind of gives them the answer before he goes into sharing the parable. And he says, hey, think about your invite list. Think about why you're inviting these people. Think about all of the stuff that you are doing as you gather together and do all these things. And really, at the end of the day, it's a judgment to the Pharisees of literally rejecting Jesus because he hangs out with sinners, prostitutes, tax collectors, and other people. And in this parable, as he's sitting with all of them, Jesus literally gives them an indictment, a judgment, that these people are the ones that are against him because they are not receiving him as their king. And he's teaching on a deeper matter of the kingdom of God. Secondly, I think there's some great application for us here that there's a reversal for us of who we are willing to share the gospel with. Who are you willing to share the gospel with? Are you only interested, or if you look at the track record of your life, are you only sharing the gospel with those people who you know, you like, and you believe are worthy of the gospel? Because the Pharisees thought that those other people were not worthy of the kingdom, and they were broken, and Jesus shouldn't be hanging out with them. Can I ask you something? Think about it this way. Would we be happy if heaven excluded those people that we look down on? Would we be happy? Think about all that's happening in the world right now, all the people that you look down on. Would you be happy if those people were excluded from heaven and the kingdom 
of God. It's one of those moments where we need to check our hearts, right? Would be okay, would we be okay with inviting the very people that we currently see as a threat to our way of life, safety, and security? Think about all that's going on in the world, all the division that's happening in the world today. Are you okay to invite those people who are going against your way of life, your safety, your security, and all that you love? Are those people worthy of the kingdom of God? Are those people worthy of an invitation to the great banquet that will be at one day that Jesus is alluding to? It honestly reminds me of, uh, if you know anything about Christian history, you ever known a guy by the name of William Carey? William Carey is a great, amazing advancer of the gospel. And in the late 18th century, he thought it was imperative for Christians to go to far places in the world and share the gospel, as we would say is true and right and good. And the churches in England weren't having it. They didn't want anything to do with it. They thought that he was out to lunch. And so one time he stood up and he talked, and in a meeting of Baptist leaders in the late 1700s carried stood up and argued for the value of overseas missions. We need to go and invite everybody to the kingdom of God and the gospel, all of these people from all these different places. And abruptly he was interrupted by an older minister who stood up and said this, young man, sit down. You are an, enthousi- you are an enthusiast. When God pleases to convert the heathen, he'll do it without consulting you and me. Can I tell you that is heretical? Because actually God actually wants to use you and me to invite every people, tribe, tongue, and nation into the kingdom of heaven. Is this our attitude towards the poor, the homeless, and those in need of Christ, those that are marginalized in our society today? Man, what about the Muslim or Buddhist who lives next door to you or works with you? Are those the people that we're inviting into the kingdom of heaven? Because Jesus says, look at your invite list and make sure it's appropriate. Then uh, as now we get into the parable of kids again, I'm going to read the passage. If you want to write down a couple things that just stick out to you, maybe you could talk to mom and dad about. We see how Jesus invites everyone. Jesus is an open invitation to the kingdom of God in verse 15. He says, when one of those who reclined at the table with him heard these things. So here's the thing. He's talking to this this Pharisee who invited him, but others are hearing and listening. So one of them reclined at the table. Here's this. He said to him, blessed is everyone who will eat bread in the kingdom of God. He just kind of shouts it out. But he said to him, and the parable he shares, a man once gave a great banquet and invited many. And at the time for the banquet, he sent his servant to say to those who had been invited, come for everything is now ready. But they all alike began to make excuses. The first said to him, I have bought a field. I must go and see it. Please have me excused. And another said, I have bought five yoke of oxen and I must go and examine them. Please have me excused. And he said, and another said, I have married a wife and therefore I cannot come. So many young married share with me about church like this. Just kidding. Um, So the servant came and reported these things to his master. Then the master of the house became angry and said to his servant, Go on quickly into the streets and the lanes of the city and bring in the poor, the crippled, the blind, and the lame. Do those four words ring a bell? Verse 22, And the servant said, Sir, the master said to the servant, Go out to the highways and the hedges and compel people to come in, that my house may be filled. I tell you, none of these men who were invited shall taste my banquet. Imagine sitting at that table. 
with those people. So Jesus here opens up the invitation to everybody, right? So the dinner party's continuing, and someone overhears Jesus' remarks, like I said, to this individual Pharisee as they are talking, and perhaps he's, perhaps he's seeking to lift the tension a bit of the conversation, maybe divert the conversation to a little bit happier things, because Jesus is literally calling this dude out at his own party. So he just belts out with a loud voice in the middle of the party, blessed is everyone who will be bred in the kingdom of God. It's almost like he said, won't it be nice when we all get to heaven? I mean, how can anything but happy thoughts come from that? Won't it be great, right? So Jesus responds to him with this beautiful parable, a parable about a great banquet. Like, it's funny because they're enjoying a great banquet like the one they're talking about and, and, and experiencing. And so the host of this banquet sends out generous invitations and he invited, as it says in the text, many and now as uh, the party's ready to go, because he already sent out a long time ago invitations, and now he, he's ready. So he would send a servant and let him know that the banquet's ready, so people should now come. And verse 17, and then there's this part where everybody begins to make excuses across the board. Everybody that's invited, refusing to come in and be a part of it. And so it was almost as they were hostile, they were insulting the host. Now, these banquets were not small affairs. I mean, they were big deals, cost a lot of money, lavish affairs for the elite, right? So there was time to plan, and they needed to prepare the banquet. They needed to know how many people were coming because they needed to know how many animals to kill and cook. They needed to know how much wine for them to have for their party. They needed to know the who's who, who's coming to make sure that he's sitting at a table with him and these people because there's relationship brokering and all of these different things, and they all made excuses. Now, what's hilarious is the lameness of their excuses. So one says, hey, I just bought a plot of land and I need to go and survey it. Don't you think that someone would survey the land before they bought it? Hey, I just bought a whole uh, group of oxen and I need to inspect them. Don't you think they would have inspected the oxen before they bought them? The last one just throws up a Hail Mary. Hey, I just got married. Right? So it's like, hey, I can't come. I mean, that's the lamest of Lame, what would prevent them? Every excuse, this is the deal, every excuse that Jesus shares is a challenge to the great reality of the Jews' refusal to enter the kingdom of God through the Messiah Jesus. Every excuse that he's laying out is mounting up against as a judgment to the men that are sitting at the tables with him of their refusal to come to the banquet as Jesus is putting on, right? Remember the story that God is throwing a great banquet and there's an open invitation and he sends a servant to go and say, hey, the banquet's here, come and be part of it. God set a banquet. He sent Jesus as a servant to actually make the way and invite all to come and the very people that are closest to Jesus, very closest to God, had all of the rights, all of the, the closeness, all of the ability to see the Torah, for it is our refusing through lame excuses to come to the kingdom banquet. And Jesus is throwing this in their face. Now, it says that the master gets pretty angry. Now, what you have to understand in their time, it's a high shame culture, like much of other cultures in our world today, high shame so refusing to come would have been an offense after they had gotten the invitation and said they were coming. It's almost as if they were spitting in the master's face, that they were making lame excuses and not wanting to come, especially 
with what's happening. So it says that the master sends his, his servant out. Now do you see this parallel? Jesus as the servant. He sends a servant out to the, the highways, the intersections, the places where people would be. These kind of people. The crippled would sit there and beg for money. The poor, the needy. All these different people using the same four terms that he used just before this. That's why we know it's attached. It's like a front-loaded application. He says, invite the poor, the crippled, the blind, and the lame. And Jesus is offering this, as he shows this picture of Jesus offering the gospel invitation to the nations and the needy people after the leadership of the Jewish entity rejected him. That he goes to Gentiles and he goes to all people. It's not because of that. Jesus had a plan there all, all along, but he's bringing about that they actually are offense to him coming as the servant of God who gives his life and inviting all to come. So the, 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 the servant comes back and he says, hey, there's still room. I've invited all of the poor, the blind, the needy, the crippled, all of those people, and they're coming, but there's still more room. And so he says, now just go out the highways and the hedges, literally far outside of their community and compel as many to come to fill the house with the banquet. This is the deal, that, that this master wants to have a celebration and he wants it to be unbelievable and great. And in the application, as it should be one day when we celebrate at the marriage banquet of the Lamb, it will be an amazing celebration because all people from every tribe, tongue, nation, creed, color, orientation will be invited to this amazing banquet if they would accept and come. And unfortunately, Jesus actually concludes with an indictment to those who made excuses. Literally, the people sitting with him as they are watching him carefully. An indictment that says, these people will have no part of my banquet because they rejected the invitation that only comes through Jesus with excuses. Now, I will say the main application of this parable is to the Pharisees and the purposes of it, that they should have been receptive to the message of the Messiah. Like they had all of the advantages. They had the wealth, the Torah. They would have studied it front to back. They knew all of the clues that pointed towards Jesus as the Messiah. And yet they are rejecting. They're literally dishonoring God by refusing to listen to the Son of God. That is the high application to the Pharisees and the religious elite that are sitting there. And, and so I want us to be able to settle into that for a moment as well to say, man, for us as followers of Jesus, I'll say followers of Jesus because I don't know where all of you are spiritually. For us as people that claim or people that are here today, we need to make sure we're not rejecting the invitation ourselves. We need to make sure that we are a part of the banquet, that we've responded in the right way. doesn't matter if you grew up in church or you've been around the Christian faith, whatever it is, before Woodside. It doesn't matter what kind of home you grew up in. If you refuse the invitation of God, you will not be present at the banquet. That's the reality. Right? And Jesus even says just before this, three chapters, excuse me, uh, seven chapters in Matthew chapter 7, 
Right after he teaches on the, on the Sermon on the Mount, some of the most scary words in all of the New Testament, as people come to him and say, Lord, I cast down demons in your name, I prophesied in your name, I did all these amazing things. Like all of these Pharisees probably did a lot of those things, and he says, depart from me, for I never knew you. It just tells us that there can be people who are really close to Jesus without knowing Jesus. You can be really close to God and religious stuff without knowing God because we didn't respond to the invitation. May that not be so for us. And then the application that I want to draw us to as followers of Jesus today is that this parable is an invitation. It's a showing a way of inviting people into the kingdom of God that there's not, this is not an exclusive invitation for just those who have wealth or are well put together and have it all together and are good and have the externals all figured out. No, it's actually going to all of the nations. Man, you read Revelation chapter 5. Write it down, read it later. There's this beautiful almost worship song that declares that at the kingdom banquet that Jesus is alluding to, it will be filled with every tribe, language, and people and nation in the world, that the heavenly picture is one of people that don't look like you, don't think like you, and maybe, maybe need to be invited to the banquet still. They need an invitation because they don't know it yet. I would compel us that we need to have a similar perspective that instead of just merely focusing inward, if I'm just being brutally blunt with you this morning, most Christians are Focus major, majorly inwardly that I got my seat on the bus, so I'm just waiting for the bus to get here. Or on those who share the same ethnic or social status for us. Can I just tell you, we need to take into consideration that the gospel is for everyone, and I can say it again, everyone. Every broken person, every needy person, every person you disagree with and I disagree with, that there is no person in our lives, no human being on our block, no neighbor in our cubicle next to us that the good news of Jesus is not for. No, we can't be like the religious elite that are just enjoying the party together without considering who else needs to be invited. Now, I will say that we don't say that. If I said that, do you believe that? You just want to be a part of this banquet and you hang out, but you're not wanting to invite others to the banquet? You would say, absolutely not. But I will say, do you live that way? Do we live like we believe that? Do we live as though we're inviting other people? Because here's the thing. This is the big idea for a whole message is that the share that we are called to share the open invitation into God's celebration. We are called to broadly share the open invitation to God's celebration that is coming and is experienced now, right now. We are supposed to take the gospel to everyone regardless of their ethnic makeup, their bank account status, their religious affiliation, or their preferred sexual orientation. All people because all people have the right to respond. Every tribe deserves the saving knowledge of Jesus. Everybody is invited, and everybody's invitation looks the same through Jesus Christ. I'll say it like this. You remember, maybe you didn't hear it. It was probably online because we weren't meeting the parable of what is known as the soils. I would say, uh, excuse me, the parable of the sower, but I would say the parable of the soils. Do you remember? It was a broad invitation. It's just casting seed. 
I mean, that's not the application of the parable. This is what Jesus did. He would throw the seed, and depending on the heart of the individual, I don't have to worry about where it lands. That's between them and God, the soil of their heart, as we saw, whether it's rocky or thorny or, 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 or good soil or on the path, right? But are we broadcasting it? I'll put it this way, our mission at Woodside, our mantra is to help people belong to Christ, grow in Christ, and reach the world for Jesus Christ. So all people of every kind, every type of person, we are calling to belong to Christ, to grow in Christ, and to help us then reach the world for Jesus Christ. So my final point for you today is this, do you believe that? Do you believe that today? Two, three people over here. Do we believe that all people should be invited into the kingdom of God? Yes. Absolutely. So I want to ask you a question. This is my final point. Who are you inviting? Who are you inviting? Who needs to be invited in your life? In your circle? In your everyday life? It's very simple. Because we will amen to it, myself included. But who are we practically responding and actually inviting? Because what we believe is not what we say. Belief is what we do. And if we truly believe that all people should be invited, we would be inviters. And can I say, not inviting people to church? That's great. I love inviting people to church. But I'm not a professional Christian, and neither is Alex. Trust me, Alex definitely is not to lead your friends to Christ. You are empowered and equipped by the Holy Spirit to lead your family and friends to Jesus. I want to help on the journey. I would love for you to invite them before they come to know Jesus here. But please know God has equipped you to do this. Who are you inviting to the party? Thank you for joining us as we study God's word together this week. We would love to hear how God is moving in your heart and to get you connected to the Woodside Bible Church family. Head to woodsidebible.org forward slash connect to introduce yourself today.